Good morning, and uh, it's great to be with you, and it's a real honor and privilege to share this little series with David over last week, this week, and the four weeks to come. Uh, Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you that in your presence is fullness of joy. Thank you that when we come to you as Father God, in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we enter into all the kingdom purposes that God has for us as his people. And Father, we ask today in the midst of all that is going on in our lives personally and as a nation and indeed as a world, that you would still so powerfully touch each of our hearts. You'd give us today whatever it is that we need to take home from this time together. You may make a difference in us and through us for the honor of Jesus' name. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts this morning be pleasing to you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's one of those amazing opportunities I think we have in these days uh, in which we're living, days which are strange and yet days of great opportunity. And I believe that we are really privileged to live at such a time. And throughout history, there have been no end of world-changing and life-changing events. I was listening just recently to a little talk by Roy Searle that you're probably familiar with from Northumbrian community, saying that the word unprecedented is completely uh, the wrong word to use for our situation. Unprecedented in our lifetime, perhaps, but definitely not unprecedented during history. And in these amazing moves of uh, historical narrative, we see God still working in the lives of his children and wanting to do amazing things for his children. And so we live at a time where we can see God move perhaps in ways we've never seen him move before. What a privilege that is to follow him. And in order to do that, we need to be all that God has in mind for us to be. And so this little series that we're looking at over these weeks, Empowered by the Spirit, is so relevant. It's always relevant, but never more so than it is today. So I'm just going to read a little bit from Acts chapter 1, a very well-known passage. Uh, Just the first eight verses, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this great passage in the beginning of the book of Acts sets us up well for what we want to be looking at today. Like David, I want to share a little bit about my journey. 
Because we're all on a journey of discovery, aren't we? None of us have arrived. None of us have got it all sorted out. We're all learning all the time. The older we get, the more we realize how little we really know, which is quite sobering, but also gives us a sense of humility that there is still much to learn. I grew up in a a brethren church, and my background, believing very much what we sometimes call a cessationist view of the gifts of the Spirit, meaning that they ceased at the end of the first century, perhaps or certainly in the time of the early church, and therefore no longer relevant today, that was kind of my background. That was what I grew up with. And I was a great believer in the Word of God. And if you'd have asked me, I'd have said I was a great believer in the Holy Spirit of God. But really, I was paying lip service to the Spirit whilst making a big thing about the Word. And more than ever today, I want to make a big thing about Jesus. And that means embracing all the Word of God and all the Spirit of God. And I trust that that's uh, the case for all of us today. As we look into this, we say, God, if there's something I need to learn, will you please teach me? I remember as a child growing up in Norwich and then becoming a teenager and going along to meetings at Norwich Youth for Christ. This is back in the um, probably early 80s, 1980s. And I was hugely attracted by these folk at these meetings who seemed to have so much happiness, so much joy. And at the same time that I was attracted to them, I found them profoundly irritating because they were so happy. And it was one of these sort of strange drawing towards and yet being perhaps slightly put off all at the same time. And I was trying to puzzle through what this all meant. But I realized that I needed to embrace more of what the Bible talks about. I knew so much in terms of information but I didn't have much experience. And so therefore, in 1984, after doing A-levels, I worked for a year at Larkin Gowan, as it was um, in Queen Street at that time, now uh, Upper King Street, I think in Norwich, as an accountant, a training accountant. And then I joined British Youth for Christ in 1985, and I was attracted to BYFC, uh, partly because of their openness to the Spirit of God. I wanted to see how I could marry the Word of God that was such a big part of my upbringing with the Spirit of God. And uh, that really began a journey for me over the years where I wanted to explore more about what it is to experience as well as to know. Now, we can experience only and not know, and I think that's uh, only half the battle. We can know and not experience, that's only half the battle too. But when we know and experience, we can enter in more fully to all that God has for us as his children. And that's what I really want to be doing in my life. I don't know whether I've said it here before, but uh, when you get to a certain age, you realise that you've got more yesterdays than you have tomorrows, in all probability. And I'm fine with that. But I want all my tomorrows to make a difference. I want all my tomorrows to count, and I'm sure you do as well. See, I got to the point where I was looking at my level of understanding, my level of experience, and I was looking at the Word of God and thinking, well, my level of experience and the Word of God just don't match. There's this big gap. There's huge disparity. So here's the Word of God. Here's my experience, and I, I just couldn't see the, get the two together. So I thought, if I bring the Word of God down to the level of my experience... If I reduce what God has said, then I feel so much better about myself because I'm not then falling short. And what the Lord has been showing me over the years is that he needs, I need to let him keep his level 
the same, and I did need to bring mine up to what I should be doing and experiencing as a follower of Jesus. So there's less of a disparity. And God has been taking me on a journey through all of this with this huge desire to minimize the gap between what I know in my head and what I experience in my life. Do we ever get to that point where there's no gap? Well, perhaps we don't, but we can certainly narrow it down. And my prayer today is that as we look into the word of God, that he will allow that gap to get smaller and smaller. As David talked about last week, we have in our lives many opportunities to make a decision. We make a decision to come to Jesus for the first time, whether as a child or an adult. We make decisions to live for him every day. Either we live for Jesus or we go our own way. We make decisions to do with COVID. We make decisions to do with our work and home life. And David brought us to a point last week of decision about our openness, our genuine openness to having God transform our thinking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we can say yes to that, or we can say no. We say yes by positively affirming that we want to enter into all that God has for us. We say no by saying no, thank you. But we also say no by ignoring the question. There's a little reading I often have used at funerals, and it's about a lady who has lived her life and has said no to God a hundred times through all the different experiences she's had, whether it's watching a sunset or going to a funeral herself and being brought close up and personal, if you like, to the reality that life doesn't go on forever. She said no to God all those times. And in the same way, we can do the, we can do the same. We can say to God, uh, no, not yet, or it's not for me, or... I don't really want to enter into all this. Or what if I have to change? What if there has to be in me something so very different than what I've experienced to this point? And so David left us with this challenge last week. And it just, I mean, I was watching on YouTube Live, uh, as many of you are right now, and I was just impacted as I listened to David uh, preaching last Sunday morning about how we need to be saying yes to Jesus all the time. And last week, I reaffirmed my yes to an openness to the Spirit of God changing me and transforming me. I'm sure you look at me and think, well, God's got a lot of work to do with Jonathan. He needs a whole bunch of transformation. And of course, you're completely right. But so, I would respectfully suggest to you, and you need the Spirit of God in you as much as I need the Spirit of God in me to work in me and then through me and to touch our world. But what about the obstacles to making that sort of decision? Fear can get in the way of God allowing us to move, or us allowing God, I suppose, to touch our lives to the extent that we can walk through all that God has for us and walking into a new expression of life in him. Fear can get in the way. What if something happens to me and I'm no longer in control of myself? What if um, I experience something and I, and I don't enjoy it? What if this? What if that? And fear can cripple us from walking in the fullness of God. 
And I believe if you've had a background, anything like the background that I grew up with, with all its positive aspects, no question. But nevertheless, there can be a fear in us that we could expose ourselves somehow to, to a move of God that is uncomfortable and we feel that we don't want to do that. And if that's where you're coming from, I completely, completely understand. Because that was me. Fearful. I mean, none of us like to say that we're control freaks, but the fact, the truth is that often we like to make sure that we are fairly in control of our lives and what happens to us. What if we just said to God, you go for it, you do what you want. What if God did something strange with me? Would I feel embarrassed? Would I feel awkward? Would I feel uncomfortable? And so if that's you, I want you just to acknowledge that before God. We're just going to pray into that right now because fear can cripple us. Fear can hold us back. So Father God, if any of my brothers and sisters on this Zoom or on this uh, YouTube call today, if they experience fear in their lives because of, uh, or as a reaction to the call of the Spirit of God to be more and more part and parcel of their everyday existence, Father, I would ask in Jesus' name that you would remove that fear Perfect love casts out fear. And in place of the fear that has characterized their lives to this point, you would fill them with a peace that passes understanding, that would guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. For the honor of Jesus' name. Amen. Don't dumb down, if you like, or don't minimize the effect of fear to stop us walking into all that God has for us. It can be huge, but God is bigger. It could be fear. It could be the the teaching you've experienced in the past. Some of you have had teaching such as I had, that these things all finished in the first century. Now we have the whole Bible. We don't need an expression of the Spirit of God in such a way. It could be that you have intellectualized away the call of God on your life to such an extent that you can choose which bits of the Bible to believe and which you haven't. You see, our intellect is hugely important and is a big part of who we are. And I'm not against studying and I'm not against academics. I've got four university degrees. I'm not anti-academic. But I would say this, that our minds can so easily get in the way of us entering in to all that God wants for us as his children. Some years ago, 2016, Paige and I were on sabbatical and we were part of a mission trip to Brazil, and it was a time when we saw tremendous miracles of healing, and, and the move of God was, was very powerful at that time. And I was in a meeting where uh, we were part of the team that was praying for people uh, at the end of each uh, service, and these services in Brazil went on for some hours. Uh, they weren't like us Brits who are thinking, oh gosh, it's too long already, we need to get home and get on with something else. They were just up for anything that they could experience from God. And in that time, Uh, There was a a teaching on impartation, receiving from God all that he wanted us to experience as his children that we see here in the word of God. Impartation is a very biblical concept and it's simply God imparting to his children the grace that they need for everyday life. And I was in this meeting and I was part of the prayer team so I was really meant to be up and ready to pray for others at the end. But the power of God hit me to such an extent during that prayer time So I was no good to pray for anybody else. People were praying for me, and I was down on the ground. 
And I was kneeling down, and there was the weight of God on me so heavy, it just pushed my head to the ground. So I was kneeling down with my head on the floor. Now, this wasn't a carpeted floor, a nice blue color as it is in this building here. This was a concrete floor full of grit and grime. And as my head was moving on this floor, I was getting a red mark that I saw on my head for a few days afterwards. And God spoke to me so powerfully during that time that my head, speaking, if you like, about intellectual understanding, must be below my heart speaking of the Spirit of God in me and my own spirit. You know, we're made up of body, soul, and spirit, and our spirits react to and connect with the Spirit of God. And so often I've let my head govern my heart, I've let my intellect govern my spirit. And yet God was saying, in that time when my head was physically below my heart, that actually I needed to let the Spirit in me, in response to the Spirit of God, govern my thinking. And after I'd finally got my head around this and understood what God was saying and I agreed that that had to be, God allowed me to kneel up and once again my head was over my heart as it is right now. Because I needed to use my brain. See, God is not anti-brain, he's not anti-intellectual, but he is all about getting our spirit. And if you are a person who thinks things through as I do, I'm a reasoning person. It has to make sense to me in my head. If you're that sort of person, give your mind across to Jesus. Because a redeemed mind, a bought back mind, powered with the Spirit of God, is amazing dynamite in the kingdom. And we need people who say, I'm not going to kiss my intellect goodbye, but I'm going to ask God to redeem my intellect and use it for his honor and his glory. And that can be a great channel for the word of God and the spirit of God to flow through to touch our world. So Father God, if any on this call today, if intellect, if brain power, if teaching from the past, if any of these things get in the way, Father, would you give us grace today to lay down our minds at the foot of the cross and say, come Lord Jesus, do in me whatever you want to do. I give you free reign to come in. I give you free reign to take my intellect and I want it to be redeemed. I want it to be bought with the precious blood of Jesus. I want it to be used for your honor and your glory. And I don't want it to be a barrier, Father God, to all that you have for me to experience in these days. I pray believing in Jesus' name. Amen. See, God wants to use people in positions of authority and responsibility in our society. He wants to use people, as as, uh, was prayed this morning, who are a government or or perhaps MPs who are believers. He wants to use people who have uh, experience and understanding in the medical world. He wants to use people who have thought things through, but he wants to redeem our minds so they can be used by the Spirit of God. And I believe that as as those of us who have had these experiences of God in us and that have our minds set free and our minds redeemed, they can be used mightily in the kingdom. It could be that fear comes to you and bad experiences, rather, have come to you from the past and you say, well, I opened myself up to that, but look what happened the last time. It all went wrong, or people took it to excess, or they split the church, or they did this, or they did that. 
You know, we cannot judge or, or frame, if you like, the word of God through our experiences. It does happen to some extent, I suppose it's natural, but God wants to reframe our experiences. And if you've had bad experiences, I had some bad experiences of people supposedly full of the Spirit, and it put me off. And maybe it's put you off as well. But I implore you today to lay those bad experiences down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, will you redeem my memory as well as my mind? Father God, would you do that in each of our hearts today? Would you take the bad experiences that we've had, would you reframe them within the greater reality of who Jesus is? And would you enable us to walk past and get past those experiences so they don't hold us back? more that you have for us in these days. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is it then to be a Jesus follower in these crazy days of COVID? I suppose in some ways it's as it has ever been. And as much now as ever do we need the Spirit of God. Over the last few months, Paige and I have been blessed by reading every day from there's a little book, I, think you put, I don't know if you can see this on the screen, but it's called The Rhythm of Life, Celtic Daily Prayer, by one David Adam, not Adams, David Adam, who was up at the Northumbria community or from uh, Linda's farm. And on Wednesday, it's Holy Spirit Day. And uh, I just want to read a little bit out of here for you. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Fill us, Holy Spirit. When the doors are closed and we are afraid to move, fill us, Holy Spirit. When we are weak and unable to act, fill us, Holy Spirit. When we are hesitant and unable to speak, fill us, Holy Spirit. When we lack energy and are unable to cope, fill us, Holy Spirit. That we may go out in your power, fill us, Holy Spirit. That we may live and work for you, fill us, Holy Spirit. That we may, we may be part of your mission, Fill us, Holy Spirit. See, there's this need for us to be filled with the Spirit of God in all that we are and all that we do. There's no sacred-secular divide. There's no, well, this is the Christian stuff, this is the life stuff. You know, yesterday I was giving some thought to today, as you can imagine, but I was also cutting wood. We live in the country, and uh, we have a, a log burner. Helps keep us warm in wintertime. We do have electricity in Stalham, at least Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but it's still a case that we have to cut our own wood. And I was thinking as I was cutting that wood in our garage, because it was snowing outside, this is just as much an act of worship as preparing for tomorrow's talk at Norwich Central. And we need the Spirit of God in the humdrum, everyday things of life as much as we do for the supposed miracles that we want to see more and more. In Brazil and at other times too, we've seen incredible miracles as we've laid hands on people and we've seen them healed. We've seen people touched by the power of God. But it's also in the little things that we need the power of God to break through. In this month of January, Paige and I have been writing in this recording very short devotionals on the theme of peace, given that we live in the world that needs peace so much. And the more we've written and the more we've broadcasted about peace, the more peace has been attacked in our lives. Things have happened to us in our own situation, our family and other people too, where we feel that our peace is being robbed. 
And we're having to say, Father God, would you restore the peace in my heart that was there but now is gone? When fear rises and peace goes, Father God, would you bring that peace right back? You see, we need the power of God through the Holy Spirit to bring those things back into place in our lives as much as we need the power of God to see these miracles of healing and of transformation. And I believe as followers of Jesus, we need to be a whole people. We need to recognize the need for Jesus in every aspect of who we are. So in this reading we had at the beginning of the talk this morning, Jesus says to the Christians um, in Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem, verse 4, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know, if Jesus says something is necessary, surely as Jesus' followers, we're saying, okay, he knows better than I do. We're going to go with what Jesus says. Wouldn't that make sense? Now, at the end of the day, I'm a very simple soul. And there's this great... Uh, little statement, I think Jewel Austin has, has made it popular, but if you don't like Jewel Austin, don't let that put you off, because what he says is really true. You know, this is the word of God. This is the Bible. I believe it, and I'm going to live by it. So Jesus told the disciples, don't leave, but wait for something that is so essential for you, without which you will not be able to do the things that you need to do. If Jesus said it, if the disciples needed it, then so do I. And so do you. Don't intellectualize away, rationalize it away, and say it was just for them. Because the needs today are just the same as they were then. But the wonderful thing is that the resource today is also just the same. We have word and we have spirit, and the two together is absolute dynamite. Verse 8. Jesus says this, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit, so when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. How powerful do you feel? How powerful do you know you are, even when you don't feel powerful? See, the power of life and death the scripture says, is in our words, in, the, in our tongue. What we say brings life or it brings death. And we can choose one or the other. We've recently been re-watching, and I say re-watching because we've watched it so many times, uh, Downton Abbey. And there's this little point in Downton Abbey, I don't know if you know the story, but there's a lady there called Lady Mary Crawley who, who loses her husband terribly. In fact, I seem to remember that he died on Christmas Day, which was terrible timing from my point of view um, as we watched it some years ago. But she is in the midst of her grief. And the butler and the family says to her, you need to choose life, not choose death. And it may not be that you're facing life or death in that decision-making at this moment, but you have this opportunity, particularly now as this series is in front of us, that we can choose to go with God or we can choose not to. It's up to us. God isn't forcing it on us. He's not saying, you have to, you have to, you have to. He's saying, I want there to be an openness in your heart to follow me in all the things that I have for you. And therefore... 
God is giving us his opportunity to say yes to him. See, we say yes to Jesus when he comes to live in us, when we get saved, when we're born again. We say yes to Jesus again when we say that actually the things that he said are important are important for us. We think about communion. We think about baptism. When we say they were important to Jesus, they must be important to us. Absolutely. But he also said, that we need to not only be born again, but we need to have the Spirit of God in us to receive the power that we have, must have, to live this life. How powerful are you? We know that the potential in us is really limited only by a lack of imagination at times and, and the reality that we don't always say yes to God, but if we said yes to God all the time, look how much could be accomplished. Last March, March 15th, was the last service we had at Beacon Church. It was a Sunday, I think, before Mothering Sunday. And if you'd have asked me then, what would we be doing in January 2021, I would never in a million years have thought we'd still be in a lockdown situation. People ask, what did you do during lockdown? Some people wrote books, some people got into poetry, some people got fit, some people realised they weren't very fit. Whatever it might be, wouldn't it be great though, during this time, as we come into this lockdown three and we're going through it and perhaps seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, wouldn't it be wonderful that in this time we had learned to appreciate more than ever before, perhaps for the first time or perhaps as a reminder that we need to be filled with the Spirit of God, that the baptism of the Spirit is a godly thing, it's a Bible thing, it's a Jesus thing. And therefore, if I'm a Jesus follower, it has to be a Jonathan thing. It has to be a thing with your name on the front as well. I can't simply choose what I believe and what I accept and what I take and reject the rest. It has to be all or nothing. And God wants us to be people who say yes to God without question. Unequivocally, yes. Whatever it takes, yes. I've shared this story many times, but in the past, I mean, I've been preaching for a long time now. <clears throat> and I remember when I first used to start preaching, I was so nervous, I'd be physically sick. I'd throw up before the service, generally before I got to the lectern, as you'll be glad to know. It terrified me because I used to get so nervous. And then later on, I became more comfortable and I didn't really get nervous anymore. But I am aware of the responsibility of sharing the word of God. And I want to be able to do it in a way that really honors God. So then came the question, well, you share the word of God, you preach or you teach or whatever it might be, and then you give people a chance to respond, to say yes, no, whatever, at the end. It could be yes to salvation, become a Christian, be a follower of Jesus for the first time. It could be just to simply sit quietly and think about what God has just spoken to us about. It could be to come up the front for prayer. It could be to come up for impartation. If there were people here today, I mean, there's only four of us in, in this huge room, then we'd, we'd open up at the end, people would come up, we'd lay hands on people, we'd impart to them the Spirit of God. We would pray for healing, we would pray for miracles. And I didn't do any of that in those early days because I was afraid of nothing happening, nothing responded, no response. And then, ashamed as I am to admit it, I thought, how would that look on me? How would I appear if I gave this amazing call and no one responded? How terrible that was. And I've had to repent of that and God has taken me from that and brought me to a new place. But all the time now, I give people a chance to respond. 
And we've got to say to God, am I going to respond to you? I'm going to say yes or I'm going to say no. Doing nothing is saying no. God is giving us this opportunity today in the quietness of our own home, wherever you're listening to this and watching. God is giving you the opportunity to say, yes, I'm going to go for all that Jesus said his disciples needed and therefore I believe I need it too. I'm going to be unequivocal. I'm just going to be all in. I don't care how I look. So I'll give, I'll give calls for response now. I don't care. If nobody comes, I'll always give a chance to people to respond. I'll pray for people even if I don't see them healed. I don't care because I know as I pray for somebody, the blessing of God is on that person. I'll step out in faith and I'll trust God if he's called me to a certain action. I don't care how it looks. You, know, you get to a certain point in life, don't you, when you realise that you're too old to worry about your reputation anymore, too old to get a reputation. Now, if I haven't got one now, I'm never going to get one. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to be all open to what God wants. I'm going to say yes to Jesus because I believe that Norwich needs a church of God's people who are full of him, who know their word, they know their Bible, they live by their Bible, and their knowledge of the Bible is filled and filled with the Spirit of God, and together there's a dynamic response to the call of God on our lives to see our city and our region transformed. Tomorrow, I think as was said already in uh, Castle Mau, or the Castle Court, or whatever it's called now, the, uh, the top floor is going to be given over to vaccinations because immunization is part of the way out of this pandemic. God has given us an immunization that takes people out of a lost eternity. God has given us the means to bring people into life, not only for after we die, but also for now. So it's not just pie in the sky when we die, it's steak on our plate while we wait, it's right now. It's the presence of God now, it's the presence of God today that makes a difference today and sees our world transformed. That's my heart. This is what David and I are talking about in these days. We want to be empowered by the Spirit. David and I are still learning. We're just entering in to what God has for us. We want to be going further in. We want to say, God, teach us. If, if I need it, Lord, would you unteach the things in me that I have learned? Would you take them away if they are unhelpful? And would you give me an openness to be filled with your spirit once again? We're going to sing that song once again in just a moment after I pray. But I want to give you that chance to respond now in the quietness of your own home. And even after I pray and, and as that song is being sung, respond to God and say, this is my heart's cry to you. Father God, I want to ask now in your name, Lord Jesus, uh, through the power of the Spirit of God, that we will say yes to the call of God on our lives. Father, I want to say yes again to you this morning. I want to say yes to the call of the Spirit of God. I want to say yes to the centrality of the Word of God. I want to say yes to being filled with the Spirit once again. Lord, all that's in me that is not of you, I want to give to you and ask you to cleanse me, to make me whole. Father God, I pray now in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would so fill my brothers and sisters, whatever rooms or whatever houses or wherever we're listening to this recording, that you would fill us afresh right now with the Spirit of God. You would give us that yes and amen in our hearts to know that we've been touched again by the power of God. 
that the four of us in this room here would be filled with the Spirit of God. That we would be empowered by the Spirit. That the Holy Spirit be given free reign to work in our lives in the city of Norwich, in all the areas represented in the towns and villages of people connected to NCBC live. That there'd be such an outpouring and that our hope is not only in medicine and in vaccines, wonderful and vital as they are, but our hope, first, foremost, last, and every other bit of it is ultimately in Jesus and living the life that he wants us to live. So fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.